1: Welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. I'm John Borton. we're talking Michigan football recruiting today. And you know what that means when it's on this particular podcast—the uh, long-awaited return of Jim S, our guy on recruiting. We've, uh, you know, we've we've had an interruption because of uh, some transition issues with our own site, but now we are back and uh, getting ready to go on. Michigan football recruiting. No better time than this because Michigan has just brought in a new class of players. And, uh, Jim, great to have you back on the podcast.
0: Hey, John, great to be back with you. It's been a, it's been a, a great ride the past couple of months since we last spoke. And,
1: uh, you know, Michigan's
0: in a good place on the field and, uh, on the recruiting front. So, uh, let's just keep our fingers crossed that we actually get to play this playoff game in, in 10 days because, uh, uh, that would be a huge disappointment if it doesn't
1: go through. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to dive right into the, uh, the new group of signees for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. And you talked about the great season it was. I think uh, that had to impact the way Michigan finished this class and uh, maybe a name or two that we weren't expecting, along with uh, making sure that you locked down those that uh, were most highly coveted in the first place.
0: Sure, exactly. I mean, obviously, the on-field performance had a huge, huge impact on, on our recruiting. And if I, if I kind of take a quick scan of our, of our signee list, of, of, of our top six signees, uh, you know, other than Will Johnson, who's the legacy recruit from Girls Point South, uh, that played at Michigan. I mean, the other five, uh, kids in my top six are all, were, were basically all late verbals, but, you know, basically, uh, you know, joining the fray, um, you know, at, at the you know, after the Ohio state game, uh, including, uh, you know, two or three who actually, you know, three actually, who actually announced on signing day or with signing day. So it was a very, very strong close and, uh, you know, uh, a very pleasant surprise because we were sort of mirandering along with recruitment entering the season, uh, you know, obviously coming off the poor two and four COVID-19 uh, related 2020 campaign and then having a huge coaching transition where, where a lot of the new incoming staff had to start to kind of reestablish relationships with the 20, class of 22 prospects, you know, put us a couple steps behind, let's be frank about it. So uh, there's nothing like winning, though keep on winning and if you beat a team like Ohio State to close the season and then win the Big Ten title game by blowing out Iowa it's, it's only going to help because all of a sudden you've got a program that's ultra stable again uh, you know as um, you know reaching sort of like a, a peak that we haven't seen in probably over 20 years uh, probably you have to go back to the 97 national championship team to see, to see such a strong Michigan team in my view and, uh, and the future's bright so you know, got to be really, really excited about how we close this class. I mean, we close this class where we're, we're, we're legit top ten class, and uh, we're kicking off 23 class where I think we're going to challenge for a legit top five class when all is said and done.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about the guys in the uh, in the class that are. You know, you're talking about your top six. Who are they, and uh, and what are uh, what are the Aspects of them that uh, make it so appealing and so important for Michigan to uh, to bring them in.
0: Well, I think uh, I mentioned Will Johnson, uh, right. you know, the big cornerback out of Gross Point South. Uh,
1: you know, he's obviously
0: uh, you know the you know the, the the clear five star in the class, the kid, consensus All American. Uh, you know, pretty much a national top 50 uh, sort in, in, in virtually all the uh, the ratings out there. Uh, and he's a kid who's obviously been on our radar for a very, very long time since the eighth grade. And, and what he's got is he's got, you know, that rare combination of size, athleticism and quickness and ball skills. That you really don't find too offer in a quarterback position. I mean, you're talking about a kid who's six two, six three, probably about one ninety at present. Uh, uh, he's not a burner by any means, but he's definitely got the, the, those. He's, he's got enough speed, really good range, and he's got those fluid hips where he can flip those hips and really turn and run with, uh, you know, with with elite speedy receivers. So uh, he's, uh, you, you know, he's a kid who primarily played on defense safety this year because. Uh, uh, you know, Tim Brandon, the head coach at Crosspoint um, at Point South, realized that if he if he had left in the quarter, no one would basically throwing to, be throwing to that side of the field, so he'd be left out of a lot of plays. So he figured he'd have more of an impact on the defense side by by playing safety. And, um, you know, he had a great season, both as a receiver and as, as, as a safety, but he's, it looks like he's going to be a corner in Michigan. He's going to be a darn good one. Uh, so I mean, he's a kid in particular. You know, there's been some rumblings that Vincent Gray may test the NFL waters early. So if we lose Gray, you know, will DJ Turner returning? And then we've got uh, you know one of the Green brothers who had been a starter uh, uh, before having some injury issues. will probably bat- battle for that starting spot. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Johnson in that rotation from very very early on and potentially actually win a starting spot. Uh, you know, by the time Big Ten season rolls around. So 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 he's a, he's a real real you know, both a high-feeling and a high-floor type of athlete, which is why he's among the top 30, 40 players in the country. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, beyond that, give me at least at least round out a top five as far as uh, on your list.
0: Sure. Well, another defensive back uh, is a kid who's originally from New Jersey, but he played at Bradenton IMG Academy this year. That's Keon Sabb. He's a... He's a big 6'3", close to 200 pounder. He had originally committed to Clemson uh, way back when, I think uh, you know, over a year ago uh, or several months ago, but then decommitted earlier in December and, and signed with Michigan. I think we, we held off Georgia, which just making a strong push at the very end. And he's uh, you know, another kid who's just got tremendous, tremendous size for defensive back. And he's more of a safety. Uh, he could even grow into an outside linebacker sort of prospect if he fills out, which really wouldn't surprise me because we've brought in so many talented DBs that, um, you know, it's nice to have a couple of them who have a sort of positional flexibility where where if another kid really comes along with more pure safety, where where a kid like Stab would have the frame to bulk up and and, and and really excel as an outside linebacker as well. And what what people don't also realize is that he's not standing basketball player. He's basically a major college basketball player if he had focused on that sport. Already as a freshman, he was averaging over 19 points per game uh, for for his high school up in New Jersey. And uh, and he's got speed. I mean, kid ran at 10 700 meters as a freshman. Also competed in the long jump, high jump, and javelin. And he was a third baseman and t- pitcher on the baseball team. Uh, his dad, Antoine, played basketball at Maryland's Eastern Shore. He had an uncle, Timothy Breaker, who played football at Delaware. A cousin, Sakeem Wright, plays wide receiver at East Carolina. And uh, so, you know, a lot of bloodlines there. And there, there are more in the works uh, because he's got uh, two younger brothers who are complete studs. And now the thing is, they're they're a ways off. You've got Amari's dad, who's a five nine hundred sixty pounds skill athlete. And he's only in the eighth grade. But the kids before entering the eighth grade, well, seventh grader, already had received offers from Penn State, Old Mason, Georgia. Now, so, you know, some of those offers may have been to try to secure older brother, obviously, but there's no question that he's a legitimate talent in his own right. And he's also a talented basketball player as well. And in fact, Penn State was the first to offer back in September 2020 when he was just beginning seventh grade. And then there's another younger brother, Xavier Sam, who's a classic 2027 prospect. Uh, to keep an eye on. And uh, so, uh, you know, if TN's having a Michigan, we could really es- establish a nice pipeline of uh, SAB brothers. I don't think we've had a troika like them since the Glasgow brothers walked on a few years back. So, I mean, that would be really exciting to keep an eye on in, in the long term. So,
1: mm-hmm. uh, he's
0: one. Uh, another safety, and this is more of a pure safety, is Zeke Berry. His first name is actually Ezekiel. Ezekiel, he's out of Concord deal with SAB. And he, you know, that's obviously one of the top programs in the country, certainly the, the, the top program over the course of the years in, in, in Northern California. Uh, you know, it's produced such former Michigan players as Amani Toomer and Matt Gutierrez, just to name a couple. We've also had a couple walk-ons come out of that program. And uh, Barry was, uh, I remember reading an article in one of the local San Francisco players, papers in mid-season basically saying this guy is by far the best player in North Northern California. After having seen him play every year, there's no question about it. Uh, He really came out strong his last two years after seeing limited time really in a very, very strong program uh, his first two seasons. In fact, he actually saw some varsity minutes, which is pretty rare De La Salle as a freshman. Uh, Plus, he's gotten a lot bigger. I mean, this is a kid who, as a freshman, you know, he's all varsity minutes, but he was only 5'6", 145 his freshman year, uh, and just kept on growing and growing and growing. Um, and even then, you know, by the time he was a sophomore, some felt that he was the best prospect to come out of D. LaSalle since the days of Maurice Jones, Drew, and D.J. Williams. D.J. Williams, you know, back in the day was a, like a linebacker, running back, who signed with Miami, who was ranked number one overall player prospect in the country his, uh, his senior season. So Barry's more of a pure safety, feet 90. He's a kid as well Got a very very high score and a nice ceiling, and I think this is a kid who's going to make an immediate impact. I think he's going to be in the rotation, just like Will Johnson, from very 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 early on uh, freshman season. And with um, with Brad Hawkins graduating, and the decent chance that Daxton Hill uh, moves on to the NFL as well, um, it's going to open up an opportunity for both Barry and and SAP to kind of step in and be rotational players, uh, you know, from very early in, in their freshman years at, at, at Michigan. So that's, uh, that's another top six kid. Mm-hmm. Then I'd say Darius Clemens, a wide receiver out of Portland, Oregon. And he's a kid, he's about 6'3.5", 205, 210. He's run a 4'3.7", laser 40. Uh, also a very, very good student. I know he's a freshman already, he yeah, about a 3'7 GPA. I really only monitored the kid strongly the first two years in high school, but he was already an outstanding student. And he's a kid who really had a growth spurt. I would say uh, between eighth grade and tenth grade, he went from being a five eleven, hundred and forty four pound eighth grader uh, to being a six three, one hundred and ninety pounder by the end of the sophomore year. So that's really when he had his growth spurt, and uh, and also really really improved his speed. Um, he was already running as a you know as a sophomore in two thousand and nineteen Washington camp, he ran a four four nine forty, and just this past year, one of the camps he ran a four three seven. Uh, laser 40. So he's got that sort of unique combination of size and speed that we really haven't seen too much in that Michigan wide receiver position. I think Nico Collins is probably the, the, the closest recent comparison. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, because I think that there's a freshman, we were bringing three really good receivers, but there's a freshman who could make an immediate impact. He could be the guy because we really don't have a guy with that sort of size who presents that sort of a vertical uh, deep ball threat as uh, as this kid does. I mean, I, I think our, our other, you know, our bigger receivers are more along the line. Cornelius Johnson is about 6'2". So I think he, he, he adds something to the equation that we really don't have too much of in our core, current very deep receiving core.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And then,
0: um, and then the, the other two would be Derek Moore. Uh, he's a defensive end out of uh, Baltimore St. Francis Academy. Uh, Now we're going to have to wait and see with him because, uh, you know, obviously his former head coach, Chris Paget is now back on the staff at Michigan. Uh, And I know that there were going to be some compliance issues there in terms of being able to get him uh, to be eligible to play at Michigan because Paget as a a non-on-field coach staffer, Uh, when he joins, technically, you're not not allowed to bring in kids for like a two-year window. Uh, From the high school where you used to coach, of course, uh, a year ago, he didn't coach the team because St. Francis didn't actually play any games uh, during the COVID season. There were a few schools that played no games in the Baltimore area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then, um, and then, obviously, this past season, he wasn't his coach anymore. So, actually, he hasn't been coaching him for two years. So, that may be sort of the loophole, loophole that they've worked their way through. But he's a kid um, who um, has got a really nice burst, long arms, plays with a good leverage, quick first step, really excellent pursuit He's got a great work ethic. Now he's probably gonna to have to add a bit of weight, uh, but uh, you know, it's a position of need. You know, we um you know there were a couple of defensive ends who sort of flipped on us the last day. We had um you know there was the big kid for Ethan Burke out of Austin, Texas, who got an offer from hometown Texas the, the day before signing day and flipped to his hometown school, which is no surprise. And then um we're still not sure if Ke- uh, Keontae Henry the defensive end who um Courtney Morgan had discovered he's got a very close relationship with Morgan. Uh, he still could end up at Michigan as a late signee, but uh, he obviously didn't sign early. And I think uh, obviously Morgan is now at Washington. is going to make a push for him. So we really needed to have a, a true defensive end in this class. You know, obviously Aiden Hutchinson and, and probably David Ochoa are both going to be leaving. after their great uh, season they've had this season they've had this season. So... Uh, you know, bringing in a kid like Moore, I mean, there could be an opportunity for him to to be in the rotation very early on, uh, given that there's going to be given that there's going to be early playing time available, well, most likely at the defensive end position. So he's the fifth kid, and then the sixth kid was sort of out of the blue, and that's Andrew Gentry, the big, huge offensive tackle, 6'8", 3'10", out of Littleton Columbine High School. Um, and he was a kid who, he's, he's just finishing up, he'll be finishing up a two-year mission this year. So he was actually part of the class of 2020, and he was a consensus national top 100 player in that class. Very much a high four-star type. I think a couple services the may have had him in the top, top 50. And it had come down early on to, you know, the feeling was it was going to be either Virginia, Michigan, or BYU. And he had strong family type BYU uh, but I think the Virginia coach, uh, used to, or at least the former Virginia coach who he had committed to a couple of years ago, used to coach at BYU, was also Mormon, ended up committing to Virginia. Obviously, there was coaching change. Uh, uh, the uh, Virginia head coach, um, he's no longer the head coach. And soon after that happened, he gave Jim Harbaugh a coach. His dad gave Jim Harbaugh coach and said, are you still interested? Jim said yes. Jim went out and he visited him. And he was able to have a 90-minute meeting with him. Uh, during his mission, uh, the religious elders permitted that, and he committed to Michigan. So that's a huge, huge pleasant surprise, because we really needed a pure, big offensive tackle in this class. Uh, we're obviously still recruiting Josh Connerly, who could be the top offensive tackle in the country, uh, and he's going to be deciding late, but it's going to be a big battle there between Michigan, USC, and Washington. So mm-hmm. there's, there's no give me that we're going to end up with Connerly, but, but Andrew Gentry is, Certainly, much more than just a mere consolation prize. He's, he's a legit uh, big-time prospect with NFL potential in his future. All right, so those very, are really the top six kids, I would say.
1: Very good. I uh, it, it strikes me that as a as a big positive that out of the six you named, the first four were at positions that usually can play early and uh, really positions of need for Michigan. You're talking about the top three as defensive backs and the fourth as a big receiver, uh, so I, I, I consider that a, uh, a plus for the makeup of this class. Tell me this, um, when you're looking at the guys that are coming in, which of those top six or, uh, or the other guys on the roster may have been as a in large part because of the fact that Michigan had... A, a really terrific uh, Big Ten championship season. And, it, you know, you kind of underscored the fact that, okay, if you come here, you can uh, you can win at a high level.
0: Yeah, I you know, obviously, you know, you're looking at the kids who committed late. And, uh, you know, five of those six that I just named were, you know, postseason verbals, uh, you know, just kind of perusing the list. I think Jimmy Rolder, the linebacker out of Chicago Marist High School, um, he, um, you know, who really, ex- he didn't really explode onto the scene until this year, and I believe he committed, um, you know, late late, der- late during our season sometime, I think, I don't know if it was late October or early November, um, but, but but he's a kid, obviously, uh, he may have committed even if we didn't have a great season, I think he was looking for a high academic school, so uh, Kenneth Grant, a big defensive tackle out of Merrillville, Indiana, uh, you know, I think Ohio State put him on a little bit of hold there for a while, and. Uh, as Michigan continued to perform well, better and better, he went ahead and pulled the trigger. Uh, uh, boy, Alex or- Orjai, the, 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 the quarterback out of uh, Sexy, Texas, this is a kid I like a lot, but I like him mostly as a linebacker, to say the truth. He's about 6'3", 230, runs about a 4640 Um And um, he's moved around a bit. I mean, he played as a... As, uh, as a freshman at Rockwell High School in the Dallas area, moved to Dallas, Philip Bishop Dunn for his sophomore year, and then transferred to Saxon for his junior year, where he's played the last two seasons. And uh, I really like, I'll tell you, when he was a sophomore, I liked him more as a linebacker. In fact, at one point, I had him ranked among the top five linebackers in the country. But then they started to play him more. They are playing him more at wide receiver, actually, on offense. And then, and then he started to play more at quarterback, uh, pure dual threat, really. Uh, I'm not so convinced that he's going to be a quarterback. I think he could be a quarterback in certain packages, wildcat package, things like that. But um, he only completed a little over 51% of his passes this year. Has a very strong arm, but you know, like Joe Milton, I'm not sure if he's you know really quite got the field vision and accuracy to you know, to be a quarterback at a, at a school like Michigan when all is said and done. But I think they're going to give him an opportunity to play quarterback. I'd say as a quarterback, he's a solid three-star type. But I think as a, as a linebacker or edge player, he could be a four-plus star type. He's really that sort of a, a prospect. I mean, you're talking about a kid who could be a future NFL player. And academics are important. He's got two older brothers who are both also linebackers who are playing at Vanderbilt. And uh, all of them are good students. And, uh, uh, so, uh, and uh, you know, unlike Joe Milton, uh, you know, this kid has got the positional flexibility to probably better project at other positions than the position we're bringing him in. It could even be a tight end
1: when all of a sudden... All right. Very good. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you this. If... Um, uh, kind of a two-parter here. When uh, when you look at this class, out of these guys who are, say, the sleepers, the, uh, the guys that uh, okay, you know, they may take some development, but they could come along later. And who are the the, the guys that uh, you would expect for whatever reason, whether it be positional need or their own, just their own outstanding skills, that could play early in this class?
0: It's an interesting class because there are really a lot. I wouldn't call them sleepers in traditional sense, but we've got a lot of kids who are really high-ceiling sorts, uh, higher ceiling than what their stars would indicate, which doesn't necessarily mean low floor, but I think part of the reason why they are, let's say, late bloomers in certain cases, kids who haven't really grown into their body yet, or kids who have really been impacted by, by this whole pandemic, And uh, so weren't able to get into camps and show what they could do at a very early stage. Or it could be because of where they're located geographically. I'll just run down some kids and give you some examples. You take Kolsky at the tight end. He's out of Gooding, Idaho. Now, Gooding High School, okay, first of all, finding a a blue chip player out of Idaho is tough enough as it is, okay? And then he's playing at the 3A level at Idaho. You know the, the the highest level is signing, so he's playing like at a mid sized Iowa school, which which means small virtually anywhere else. So he's basically playing against very very poor competition. So nobody comes out of three A or below in Idaho and, and he goes to a school like Michigan. You just you just don't see it. So but but when someone is good enough to do it, he, the, the, the guy's a true sleeper. And this is a kid who, as Jim Harbaugh said, I think in uh, uh, when, when he was talking to John Jansen after signing day, um, you know he's a kid who's uh, who's really put together well. He looks like that he's uh, you know going to be like a, a high a college junior at Michigan. He looks like he belongs already on the team. And you're talking about a kid who probably hasn't had the sort of weight training that uh, that, that he's going to get at Michigan and, and he already looks like a Michigan player and he's very productive. And this is another kid who with a late bloomer. He was he was a wide receiver as, as a freshman, much smaller and kept on growing and growing and growing and and now he's, he's turning into a monster of tight end. And I love him as a tight end prospect. I mean, I think he's got an NFL sort of upside. As does Marlon Klein, the other tight end we're bringing, up, uh, bringing in from, uh, from Georgia, Raven Gap Macucci High School. And, and that's a high school which is uh, it's a small private school in northeastern Georgia. Very Actually, there, there, there's a little tip of Georgia that borders with North, the state of North Carolina. And that's where Rayburn Gap is. And they actually play in the North Carolina in- Independent uh, School Athletic Association or whatever it is. It's basically the private school league for North Carolina teams. So so he's not even playing at George's schedule. They're playing schools from North Carolina, and it's a small private school. And this small private school has developed a relationship with a service based in Europe, which places European prospects with we primarily US prep schools. Okay, you've seen some go to some of the New England schools, I've seen some go to Pennsylvania, but you've seen some go to Ohio schools. But normal but, but but a lot of the Germans end up going to this small prep school, Raven Gap Nakuchi, in uh in in, in northeastern Georgia. And Marlon Klein is the best of the bunch. And he's a kid who's six seven, two twenty, has run a four four forty a sub eleven second hundred meters. Uh 6'8 wingspan. It's got great bounce to him. Uh, Obviously, relatively new to the game. He was playing in Germany uh, for the Cologne Crocodiles team uh, before transferring to Nakuchi for his sophomore year in high school. Uh, And Nakuchi, you know, they're more of a run-oriented team, so they didn't really throw the ball a lot to him. And plus, he was playing wide out a lot as opposed to tight end. Uh, As a sophomore, for instance, as a wide receiver, he had 15 receptions for 335 yards. Uh, and four TVs. so I mean, I mean, you know, average over 20 yards of catch, so so this is a kid, I think, once we get him on the weight program, and he fills out and becomes more, more of an effective inline blocker, uh, with, with his ability to run and stretch the field, he, he could really make a dynamic duel with Loveland, so that's a sleeper I like a lot, okay. but I mean, this roster, it's littered with sleepers, it's literally littered with sleepers who are just going to be, you know, just outstanding, outstanding players at Michigan, I think. Um, now, we're not going to hit on all of them, but I think we're going to hit on maybe more than usual. You take a kid like Deuce Spurlock, a uh, linebacker out of Madison Academy in Alabama. First name is actually Timothy. I mean, this kid had almost 200 tackles this year as a senior, uh, and, uh, and he really exploded uh, playing defense as an upperclassman. As, uh, you know, back as a sophomore, He's playing at a 5A level, which is you know, pretty high, you know, 7A is a high classification in Alabama, so that's pretty good competition at 5A. he's playing primarily in offense. Had 40 receptions for 548 yards and played very minimal defense. Only had five tackles and one interception. Uh, and he, but he's got very quick feet. He's explosive. Great, great range. And, you know, once they shifted him over full time to defense, he just really exploded. But again, you know, that junior year was sort of the COVID year, and then there weren't any camps or anything. So he was sort of lost in the shuffle, and he's had a a huge, huge senior year. And a lot of big time programs from the South, like South Carolina and Auburn, really started to pursue him heavily after he would you know, just before he committed to Michigan. So I, I think he's a kid who is uh, is going to play above his ranking. Um, Marion Walker, the wide receiver uh, who flipped from Notre Dame. I mean, some services just have him as a three star, had a huge uh, state championship game. Uh, you know, explosive leaper, real good speed. Um, also has the positional flexibility to be another big, tall receiver for us or also be a tall corner. Uh, I love the height we're bringing into the secondary, by the way. I mean, if you throw this guy with the other. Two or three guys we have over six three plus, and we're going to have we're going to have just the sort of height we need to deal with these loose chip receivers that Ohio State seems to be bringing in every year. So, so it's almost like we're recruiting corners with Ohio State in mind. So it's really really nice that we're we're getting the sort of athletes that can match up with Ohio State's DBs. Uh, so hopefully we see more of what we saw. Uh, the last uh, Saturday
1: in November this past season. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, quick, quick follow up here before I b- before we go on. Uh, it looks like that uh, clearly the defensive backs uh, gained the most uh, position-wise, position wise, position group wise out of this class. Would you agree with that? And uh, and if so, what would be the next group behind them that uh, that Michigan did the best as far as uh, bringing people in at a certain position?
0: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, if you look at the DBs, I mean, we, we've spoken about Johnson, have, and Barry, but we, we haven't mentioned Miles, Powell, Miles Pollard, who's another tall kid, about six two, one eighty five, 185, a cornerback out of Brentwood Ravenwood, which is the same program that Junior Colson played for, who mm-hmm. who the staff really liked a lot and thinks is highly underrated. That's another big tall corner. Then you got Cody Jones, who had a great, great senior year, and some people – he could be the big time sleeper in this class, and that he's a legitimate uh, potential NFL player. And he's a kid who could be could be a safety or could be a corner. Uh, he's got the he's got the hip fluidity and speed to play to play cover corner, but he's also got the physical style of play and tackling ability to be an effective safety. So, I mean, he's another kid you've got to be excited about. As I said, Walker could flip to corner if uh, if wide receiver doesn't work out, and then you've got Damani Dent, who's another one of these super sort of super sleeper types, tall and rangy safety. about six two, one ninety, out uh, of the Jacksonville area. He really started to blow up late in the process. He's a kid. Um, who uh, you know was not discovered until relatively late due to COVID, and um, I know your EJ Hollins had mentioned that he saw him at one of these camps and and noted him as being a kid who, who who really impressed him. and he had actually written about him in one of his articles year before Michigan started recruiting about him. So, so kudos for EJ for uh, to EJ for picking up on this kid before most most others even knew who he was. You know, I had him uh, I had him in my database as a sophomore. Year. He was he was already starting for. A, a 7-2, 5 a team, 5 A I, where's he from? He's, from? he's from Florida, so that's, um, you know, 8-8 is the highest classification. So that's a d- decent classification. And he had uh, 13 tackles and 13 assists in nine games. Uh. So he was already showing something, you know, you know playing for a pretty decent program, uh, pretty good student. Uh, so that's another DB. And then, um, yeah, and then, uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, I think, uh, I, think, I think we're pretty loaded at that position. Are we the defensive back? You know, it looked like wide receiver would be a position of weakness, you know, heading into the last couple of weeks before signing day, because we really just had Tyler Morris committed. And of course, he's coming off a a really bad uh, injury. Uh, But then, um, you know, there were rumors that Amari and Walker would flip, but there was wasn't definite by any means he did flip and then of course we got Darius Clements like late so from having one receiver who uh, you know is coming off an injury to having uh, you know Clements who's a consensus top 100 type and and Walker who's highly undervalued I think that's turned into a position of strength for us and uh, gives us a lot of flexibility because we're going to have 67 or or top receivers on the turning next year and you know running out coming back off of injury so it's going to be you know, and since we run pretty much with three receivers, I don't think we've I don't think I've you know, we've had some great combos or trios of receivers over the year, years in Michigan.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not
0: saying we've got another Derek Alexander Desmond Howard combination or Anthony Carter or whoever you put him opposite of Vince Bean or Greg Clayton or whoever he was opposite of combination. But uh, but in terms of having six, seven, eight, nine receivers, the sort of depth we're gonna have in that position, I don't think I've ever seen that in Michigan where well, you could probably go eight, nine deep at wide receiver and really have elite talent. So you got to be excited about that. We're going to be able to throw a lot of numbers out there and a lot of fresh bodies, uh, rotate them in and out, and it uh, uh, should be a lot of fun. Good times ahead at the receiver position. And let's not forget defensive line. I mean, even though a couple of guys look like they flipped at D.E., I mean, if you look at the, the two defensive tackles we brought in, Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham, and then getting Derek Moore late at the defensive end, I like all three of those kids a lot. I mean, Grant is just what this defense is looking for at the at the interior nose tackle sort of position, that anchor tackle position. Kid's about 6'4", 335, and is really, really light on his feet for such a big kid. And he's an explosive athlete. He was already a 50-plus shot putter as a sophomore. And already as a sophomore, he was wearing a triple-X jersey and had a size 15 shoes. So, uh, you know, he's a kid who... Is not just your mere space eater. This is a kid who actually, you know, has good feet, plays good leverage and it's explosive. So, I mean, he's a kid who could make a pretty early impact on the defensive line. And then Mason Graham, I'll tell you, Mason Graham was just named first team uh, uh, all area uh, by the LA times. And I think he was named the LA times defensive player of the year for the Los Angeles area. And that's, you know, one of the, the two or three richest talent basins in the, in the United States. It just goes to, sort, to show the sort of season he had this year uh, for his school, which is Anaheim Servite. Now, Anaheim Servite plays in the Trinity League, which is the toughest league in America. I mean, he's playing schools like Santa Ana Mater Dei, Bellflower St. John Bosco, Rancho Santa Margarita. I mean, you're talking about programs where they got second or third stringers who are going to go power five one day. You know, some of those kids are obviously the sophomore's freshman. But he came in and just had a dominant, dominant senior year. So I really gotta be excited about Graham. He's about 6'3, 290, uh, moves really well, really tough. Would also make a fine offensive guard to tight but I think Defense's first teacher is. And and I mentioned Derek Moore as well. So I think we got Three really, really good defensive linemen. Now we're going to have to bring in more bodies this coming year because don't forget we pretty much operate almost with a five-man defensive line mm-hmm. nowadays. I mean, basically you got three tackles and then kind of two sort of end, You know, one. You know, the the, the job overall is sort of like a hybrid outside linebacker, side defensive back. Right. But still, no, we're going we're going we're going to need to bring in more bodies, in particular at the defensive end position and uh, in particular since we rotate a lot. But the three that we got are really, really high quality. So I've got to be excited about
1: those games. <laughs> that was another uh, highlight of this season. I mean, if you, want to, uh, if you want to highlight your edge rushers and show prospective Wolverines that, hey, this is a place where you can really excel and, uh, and get some nice attention, uh, you couldn't have had a better showcase with, uh, with the guys that played there this year.
0: Most definitely. And, 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 you're talking about two kids who, when they came into Michigan, who would have thought it? I mean, David Javo came in the same year as, uh, I don't even remember his name. Who was the, st- that starting defensive end uh, for Ohio state, um, who we thought we were going to get, he was the five, that something or other, he ended up um, you know, he was the recruit to, you know, you know, we lost the, 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 the two assistant coaches to Ohio state and he ended up going to Ohio state. Uh, but he he was he was like considered the top player in Ohio that year, and he was considered the elite defensive. And I mean I mean the two we really were expecting hoping to get that year were, were that kid, and I don't even remember his name. So he's a good player, he starts for Ohio State, but he's not as good as Hutchinson and Ojomo. Mm-hmm. And the other kid was George Carlapsis at Purdue, who is a very good player. Uh, but, I mean, uh, I mean, we can't be too greedy, can we? I mean, you've got to be excited as heck as, uh, you, you know, with the duel that we had. I mean, Hutchinson had a year for DEs that I, I've never seen at Michigan. Yeah. And, um, I mean, how, how many defensive ends have finished, what, second in the Heisman Trophy?
1: Oh, exactly. exactly. None, not,
0: none ever in history. So, that says it all. And, uh, you know, and he does it on the field and the high character team leader sort off the field. And Ojabo's a kid who I loved as a high-feeling sort uh, you know, from early on, I mean, a kid who really never played football until he, uh, until he came into Blair Academy in New Jersey, and the football coaches saw him running track or playing basketball. He can not play basketball, actually. I think they may have seen him running track, and they, and they put him aside in the, side of the hallway and said, no, sir, you're going to try football. You're born for that sport. Had no yeah. clue about the game. Right. And right. Uh, so, excited there. I mean, uh, and we developed them. We yeah. We developed them. I mean that's the key. I mean you start, one, of, I mean, one double of, was, wrong.
1: Right, was wrong. Right.
0: He had he had all the skill in the world but he never played the game really. So I mean that's what you what what we can show is that we coached that kid up. The kid originally from Nigeria via Scotland who, you know, didn't have a clue about the game of American football. Uh, so gotta be excited about that. Gotta be excited about how, uh, in particular, the class of 2023, it really should start to play, pay dividends with, uh, with edge players.
1: Absolutely. One of many amazing stories on the 2021 Wolverines. The question for this class is, is it essentially finished or, uh, what is to be yet? You mentioned a couple of names. What do you think that uh, the Wolverines wind up with when February rolls around?
0: You know, I really don't know. I mean, we, we could well be finished in terms of incoming freshmen. It's also going to be a function of how many transfers we're going to want to take in. And, of course, it's also, you know, the other side of the equation is how many outgoing players are there going to be. Um, I did a little analysis, which I posted on the board about a week ago, uh, you know, basically showing how many scholarships out we would have to have to bring in X number of players in. And, um, you know, I think um, assuming all the kids who I think will depart early to the NFL depart early, I think we probably have to have about 12 kids, including grad transfers, transfer out to bring in a class of about 25 or 26 new counters, which would include transfers. And I think we could easily reach that. So I do think we have, because with with the transfer portal now, I think people, there's just going to be a lot more, there's going to be a lot more roster movement. And over the past four years, we've averaged, I think, about 14 or 15 transfers out per season. So uh, if, if we reach our historic average, we're going to be able to, we're probably going to be able to bring in another four or five new counters. And we may well go well beyond our historic average with the transfer portal now in full force, so, uh you know we could even bring it up to seven or eight new counters but i i don't know if we'd go that high and and really you know bringing in transfers is going to be tough in Michigan because uh you know the credits need to need 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 to be recognized, and you know unless you 're talking about a grad transfer who's going to be starting from scratch and, and has good enough grades to get into the grad program, which isn't easy to begin with, or you're talking about a kid who may just be a freshman who wants to go who leave, leave from Michigan so he 's basically only losing. You know, one semester's worth of well, some credit hours. Uh, it, it's going to be tough, you know, to recruit those sophomores and juniors and, and rising seniors, kids who have accumulated a lot of credits that wouldn't be recognized by Michigan. So, you know, let's see how things fall into place. I mean, I mean, in evaluating senior film, you could have prospects who just kind of pop up out of thin air who have just been missed. And primarily due to not being seen in camps because of the pandemic. And so it wouldn't surprise me if new names emerge who we just have no clue about, but I think, I think the focus right now is on, uh, on the playoffs. And I think, uh, I think we probably won't have a sense for that until, uh, you know, probably mid January to tell you the truth.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. How about the, the 2023 commits and, uh, and where they're at and 2023 possibilities uh, that uh, Michigan could be looking at? Well, I mean, it, it, you always turn the page pretty quickly when, uh, when you sign a class. What, uh, what groundwork have the Wolverines laid for the future? Yeah.
0: Before 23, I want to mention one more 22 player. Uh-huh. And this kid is an All-American. He's going to be playing in the Under Armour All-American game. And very few people know that he's going to be attending Michigan. You know who I'm talking about?
1: Uh, no, but you're going to tell me.
0: <laughs>
1: He's a walk-on long
0: snapper by the name of Evan Butorwick out of Utica Ford High School.
1: Oh, uh, Jim. Four... <laughs> I'm losing four... you. You're breaking up on can me a little me? bit. Can you hear me? I can now. G- give, me, g- give me that one again from the top.
0: Okay. We've got a long snapper coming in out of Utica Ford High School in Michigan, Macomb County, by the name of Evan Butorwick. He's 6'4", 230-pounder. call. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Calling Jim S. Yes? Are you there? Can you hear me?
1: Can you
0: hear me?
1: John? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can.
0: Yeah, you couldn't hear me a minute ago. <laughs> okay. No, I
1: could, I could not. So uh, let's that, that mystery uh, performer that you were about to uh, detail, start from the top on him.
0: Okay, we've got a walk-on freshman coming in who is an Under Armour All-American. He's going to be competing in the Under Armour All-American game. as a long snapper. His name is Evan Butorwick, He's 6'4", 230-pounder out of Utica Ford High School in Macomb County, okay? He actually made uh, he made the first-team all-metro east this year as a tight end. So he's a very good athlete. Uh, you know, he's also got got the ability, you know, to maybe even see some snaps at tight end, but I think, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the top long snappers in the country, and that's what we're recruiting him for. And okay. he's got the sort of size and frame where he can probably pack in another 30, 40 pounds. So that, that's another that, – that's one of the walk-ons, and, and I'll talk about the other walk on probably in a future podcast. I've already identified six or seven that we've got,
1: mm-hmm. uh, but
0: more will be rolling in. So we'll save that for a future podcast. But I just wanted to mention this youngster because he is going to be playing in a high school all-star game probably before the next time we talk.
1: Okay, very good. All right, uh, on to 2023 and uh, Michigan uh, either commitments or, uh, or immediate targets.
0: Okay. Well, you know, we, we, have got four commitments. Uh, I'm not sure how solid all four are. Uh, you know, the, um, the most local one is the place kicker, Adam Samaha out of Ann Arbor, Huron. And, uh, you know, he's considered one of the top kickers in the country, very, very strong leg, uh, uh, you know, can really, uh, he's very athletic, very accurate on his field goals, uh, you know, can really kick the ball deep into the end zone on, uh, on, on kickoffs, uh, You know, we we've uh, you know don't forget we brought in our uh, our current uh, all American kicker as I think uh, I think we brought him in as a gray shirt. I mean he um, he he, we we liked him so much. uh, You know, soon after getting Clinton Ordean that we brought him in and um, Moody, uh, you know, basically was a gray shirt before going on scholarship and now Samaha we we liked so much that we're taking him as, as a junior, which is pretty rare to get a kicking commitment as a junior, and right from our backyard.
1: Mm-hmm. So you
0: got to be excited about him. Uh, then we picked up uh, from Ron Bellamy's old haunting ground, west, west Bloomfield High, we picked up Samaj Morgan, who's a, a quick slot-type inside receiver. He's about 5'11", 175. Really shined at the Michigan camp last June. That's when we offered him. Uh, you know, really, really uh, quick. Also, pretty good defensive back, actually. And he, he, he's short but powerful, explosive. Gets into into and out of his breaks very, very quickly. His his, his dad was actually a track star at Central Michigan. Uh, he's also a basketball point guard. I like to see that that multi-sport sort of athleticism. Uh, and um, you know, I mean, there's so much talent at that school. Don't, mm-hmm. don't forget when. Uh, you know, before this season, you know, you know, before we offered him, I mean, he was, you know, he was second fiddle behind guys like Donovan Edwards and, you know, Dylan Tatum in the backfield. And, uh, you know, but he's, he's a kid who we like a Come back like to us, gym. Yeah, can you hear me?
1: Yep, I can now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's a kid we really like a lot, and he's going to fill one of the inside receiver roles. You know, a little bit like Tyler Morris, maybe not as highly rated, uh, but, um, you know, he's a solid pickup. Then we picked up Joel Starling's defensive tackle. You know, that's, you know, right after an Ohio State win. I think he committed that weekend um, off the high of that win. I'm not sure how solid that – Jim, was.
1: I've lost you again.
0: You've lost me again?
1: Yep. Now you mm-hmm. – I just have to reach out and ask for you. You come back. You come okay, back
0: straight. to us. Straight Maybe Tom holding the phone. Let me just keep it in one spot. Oh. Okay. Anyways, I was mentioning uh, – Joel Starling, he's a big defensive tackle out of Richmond Benedictine High School. Um, you know, you like to see kids from coming from solid academic institutions. Uh, that's one of the top Catholic schools in in the Virginia, in the mid-Atlantic area. Uh, and uh, he's about 6'5", 308, and runs a sub 5-second 40. I've got him at a 483. Uh, very strong. Was already a varsity basketball player as a freshman. So he's got quick feet, good athleticism uh and really shined at um uh, at the Baltimore Under Armour camp last May I mean that's when he I think he really started to make a name for himself in national recruiting circles so and then the uh fourth kid I'm going to mention who's almost highly rated commitment is Raylan Wilson a linebacker out of Tallahassee Lincoln he's uh, a national top 100 type player uh he's really got a you know he's about six he came in a year ago at the Orlando Rivals Combine at six two two zero one, running a four eight three forty, uh, and um, he had a good sophomore year. He's had a, a huge junior junior season. His 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 father passed away a few years back, Robert Wilson, but he was a wide receiver at Florida AM and who played for the New Orleans Saints in the early two thousands. Another he's got good blood, 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 bloodlines. Excuse me. Another. Uh, relative to his cousin, is Ernest Gibbons, who also played in the NFL. And he's got real good speed. For a lot, an outside linebacker, last March, as a sophomore, he, he ran an 11.19 automated 100 meters. So, uh, you know, he's a kid who can run to the ball, very athletic, quick feet, had a 4.39 shuttle a year ago, and um, also an excellent student. Uh, as a freshman, he already had a 4.2 GPA. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, and he plays for Tallahassee Lincoln and Lincoln was at one point, they don't produce the talent like they used to produce, but at one point they were probably for a few years there, they were probably the top talent producing program in the state of Florida and one of the top three or four talent producing programs in the nation. I'm talking back in the nineties, early 2000s. And most of those kids would obviously stay home and play at, uh, at Florida state, uh, so one of the advantages of Florida State being down is uh, is that we're able to poach an elite prospect out of uh, out of uh you know the, the the top program historically in the Tallahassee area
1: all right you uh mentioned the fact that Michigan is uh looking strong at uh with some twenty twenty three commits uh, or not commits but uh, guys that they're recruiting and also uh a mention of uh some strength in the quarterback recruiting area why don't you talk about those and and highlight a few guys
0: okay why why don't I look at quarterbacks first I think um, first of all the state of Michigan is really about to start to churn out some elite quarterbacks over the next three years Uh, you know the the 2023 cycle is highlighted by Dante Moore out of Detroit Martin Luther King who uh, is right there with Arch Manning and Malachi Nelson as, as was one of three really outstanding quarterbacks in the country. Uh, some people feel he could even be the best of the bunch. Uh, although I think Manning will probably get those kudos simply by virtue of his last name. Uh, but, but Moore is just uh, just a dynamic dynamic quarterback. He's the only quarterback we're really actively recruiting. He actually grew up as an Ohio State fan. But that was a long time ago, and you know, I think um, I think Michigan's got as good a shot, if not a better shot, than anyone out there. And I think obviously, um, you know, the spacing between himself and JJ McCarthy will be enough where he'll be able to come in, back up for a year, and then you know, possibly you know, take over as a starter, you know, pretty much early in, in his Jim, college career. You and,
1: said that was yeah? you said that was Dante Moore, correct?
0: Dante Moore, that's correct.
1: Yeah. Okay, I, so I am yeah, I'm too. losing you off and on, so I just no want to make sure.
0: Okay, yeah, that's more. And then, um, so he's really, at this point, we've got all our marbles with more in the the 2023 class. It's obviously relatively early still, but the quarterbacks tend to uh, commit earlier than other positions, they tend to be the anchor positions for recruiting classes. And since schools normally only take one quarterback in a given year, uh, that's one of the reasons why they tend to commit more often than not during their junior year. So it'll be interesting to see how his recruitment plays out over the winter and spring. I would not be surprised to see him uh, make a decision sometime before uh, his senior season. Uh, Now, the 2024 class is shaping up as a really strong quarterback year as well i don't think there's in terms of who michigan is involved with i don't think there's anyone quite at the dante moore level but we've got two kids including cj carr uh, who obviously comes from royal michigan bloodlines with one grandfather being lloyd carr and his maternal grandfather being uh tom curtis uh you know the great uh, safety from both schembeckler's uh, first team at michigan that 1969 team uh, that, that upset ohio state um uh, so, I mean, he's got some really, really high quality offers. And he had a fine year this year at Celine. Uh, he entered the year expecting to really rotate. Okay, with, uh, I think we're going to of- have to
1: wrap this one up a little bit uh, sooner than we might have expected. Uh, we will try for a better connection next time around. Uh, still got uh, a ton of great information from GMS. Uh, much appreciated. And Jim, next time around, we're going to definitely talk about the impact of this season on recruiting and of course, the nil which uh is uh, impacting recruiting all over the place and will certainly impact football programs uh, here as we as we go out uh, Jim S., very much appreciating you being with us today and your commentary on the class of 2022 and beyond. We will do this again very soon. And as I said, talk about the impact of Michigan season on recruiting in the short term, in the long term, and also the impact of that NIL uh, situation. So uh, appreciate you being with us. And we will do this again soon. Thanks, John. You bet.